0: Welcome to Press Room on Radio Town. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue. The same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, Press Room for Monday, the 29th of January. Andrew Brown in the chair for this week with David Fowler taking a break. All the regular guests coming your way. Plenty of news to discuss, of course, as we uh, end the uh, first month of uh, racing in the new year. Yes, at the end of January, and plenty of uh, big racing, of course, to look forward to. We'll look back as well and the big meeting coming through from uh, New Zealand, Ellerslie, and the Caracas sales, of course, underway. But all the regular guests along this morning... Of course, uh, you can catch up with the uh, replay of the Press Room for today on all the uh, socials via uh, Twitter, of course, at Radio Tab Oz. Always love to hear from you as well. And as always, Press Room brought to you by Garrard's Horse and Hound each and every week. And as David Fowler says, they've been there from the very start. And uh, first cab off the rank, as per usual, uh, Ben Dorries. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you, Bernie. Good to have you on board. And, of course, before discussing the weekend's results and some of the achievements and some of the other news that's been happening around the place, of course, uh, opening up the Curia Mail this morning and a few pages in and the article from Trenton Acres about the Curic Review set to kick off today.
2: Yeah, look, it's a really interesting one to keep an eye on, Brownie. It's a really long
1: way to review.
2: I've got to say that the Queensland Racing Integrity Commission was obviously set up in the wake of the the Greyhound live baiting scandal many years ago. But look, right throughout its reign, I've got to say, uh, it's sort of been shadowed in, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but there's been real discontent, I guess, from the industry over a number of matters uh, in its history. But look, there's a real growing disconnect I guess from stakeholders and as such KPMG have been engaged to to, to basically handle a review uh, of Keurig which is going to put the practices and culture of this organisation under a microscope so look there'll be all sorts of people sitting on this review as well including Keurig Commissioner Shane Gillard Um, but look you know there'll be owners breeders trainers represented in, in several codes so look Racing Minister Grace Grace announced this review last December and at the time sort of Keurig's kind of played it down as, you know, just um, I suppose a matter of course of, you know, having a review of the organisation. But look, I mean, I don't think you have to be Einstein to realise that if everything was fine and dandy within an organisation, you wouldn't need a review, would you? So look, I think this has got several months to play out. Uh, Where it gets to, I'm not sure. Of course, it's an election year uh, this year as well. Uh, which throws a bit of interest on it as well uh, in terms of the Racing Minister. So, look, I think it'll be a while before we get any any results or outcomes uh, from this. Um, but, yeah, that kicks off today, Or
1: Always that term intrigues me, steering committee. So where's it going to steer <laughs> <Yeah>. to? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey,
2: it's a fair point. <laughs> Could steer things right into the ocean, <laughs> isn't it? But, but, look, I suppose the, 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 the issue is, or one of the issues, I guess, is but I suppose right throughout its right throughout its operation, you know the stewards even at times, and i will not saying they do currently, but the stewards even have had a disconnect from their own body, which which effectively sits above them. So and look, I must say there seems an extraordinary amount of red tape uh, in Keurig. Uh, simple matters seem to take an eternity to get sorted out. I mean we've had as well, of course, a lot of failed. Uh, prosecutions mm. in recent times. Um, when I say prosecutions, I'm not talking about criminal prosecutions, racing prosecutions. I mean the Chris Munts case was a high-profile one that completely fell over, and there's been several others. And there's been uh, basically, you know, so many decisions that um, that they've made that have, you know, either. Yeah, you know, racing participants have either got off on on appeal or had their you know sentences trimmed in half. You know, in a lot of cases. So,
1: and yeah, sorry to I butt in, to this is question. going to be on charges just like careless riding or whatever. It's more serious charges, and the lengths and the delays that have had to be endured by all participants in, in getting their case heard fairly and squarely. And then what happens after that? Yeah, well, I guess that is one
2: element that's got uh, mm. better with the um, implementation of Queensland's racing appeals panel. That is uh, a much seems to be a much more efficient. Uh, model than we had in the past where you know effectively you could get uh suspended for three weeks for you know reckless riding or careless riding or something and you could dead set play the system to serve that penalty in 2086 if you were still alive then um so look that has been fine tuned but um yeah lots of it lots of other areas to look at and i think the industry will be watching this very closely grand
1: so is, how how often will this sit do we know it's not every day obviously monday to friday or will kick off today uh, do we know how many days a week or is this going to be like one day every so often they'll, they'll sit in there in a few months to find out well, you know, what's actually happened? Yeah, I think
2: um, every couple of weeks, Brownie. So okay. um, they'll sit around the table and trash things out and I think Grace Grace is expecting um, a report back, You know, certainly in the first bit of the year. But, yeah,
1: not anytime soon, uh, but certainly by mid-year at the latest, I would have thought. Always uh, considering the welfare of uh, jockeys and racing participants, but you wrote a story last week too about Bailey Wheeler.
2: Yeah, look, um, this is a, another really interesting one. This is the second time that Bailey Wheeler, that really talented teenage apprentice, originally from New South Wales, uh, he started off down there um, you know, with Chris Lees amongst others, has been stood down uh, by his own boss, Annabelle Neesham, for, for effectively disciplinary matters. Uh, we saw this last year and again last week. Um, I wrote a story that he, um, early last week, he basically claimed he slept in and missed an afternoon track work session and he was given a month uh, effectively by annabel neesham who told stewards now look i mean this sort of stuff it may not seem uh, the crime of the century but i've got to say there does now seem even though he's a young kid and everyone's entitled to make mistakes when they're young there does seem to be a bit of a pattern of behavior uh, with this sort of stuff so look uh, whose responsibility is it? I, I mean, that's mm. an interesting one. He's a, he's a young kid. Uh, I mean, Racing Queensland uh, have got various mechanisms set up uh, to, to, to effectively help out, um, as do the Queensland you know, Jockeys Association. But I guess if someone doesn't want help or doesn't feel they need help, um, you know, they can't be forced to take it. So, look, I spoke to stewards about this actually on Saturday. I said, look, is this getting to the point at, at all where, where stewards may intervene? And they said, no, 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 not, not, certainly not at this stage. Um, they're happy to let the Annabelle Nisham camp deal with it. Now, look, I've got my fingers crossed and, and hoping for the best with this kid, but I, I've got to say he does really need to get his thinking cap on and put his head down because, there. are yes, he's a talented jockey. He's a tremendously talented jockey. But, gee whiz, we've seen a million of those over the years. Uh, I'd hate to sort of see him fall by the wayside as a result of these disciplinary issues and, and sort of you know, end up being lost to racing in a few years. So... um Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where this is going to go. But, um, again, uh, the Annabelle Nisham stable has told me that they will fully support him in his absence from racing and they think he's a good kid and they will support him again when he returns to ride for them. So, um, again, I guess we watch this space. Uh, In the meantime, Brownie, CJ Graham is a very, very diligent, I've got to say, young apprentice. Uh, She's a terrific kid. I shouldn't say kid. I'm just old as the hills these days. I call everyone kids, but she rode four winners, obviously. Uh, She'd never even ridden three in a day before. She rode four at the Sunshine Coast on Saturday to open up, I think, about a nine-ride lead over Bailey Wheeler in the uh, Metropolitan Apprentice Jockeys title. So, Look, she's uh, really taking, or really wants to take advantage. She says it's a competitive world. We're all just doing our best. She wants to take advantage of Barley Wheeler's absence uh, and ride as many winners as she possibly can <laughs> in the next month, and she could have quite an imposing lead uh, by the time he returns to ride
1: uh, in that apprentice title, Branny. And well done to Talia Fenlon as well, grabbing a winner there, a Metro Ooh. winner there, of course, for Chris Munts on Saturday.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Origi- originally housed from uh, Rockhampton. Uh, it was a bit of a licorice all sorts there, wasn't it, on, on Saturday? Mm. We had a bit of everything. Um, we, ha- we had obviously CJ Graham was a star of the show, as you mentioned Talia Finland, another apprentice um, you know, rode a winner uh, Chris Lees won the main race Andrew Mellion, bit of an unheralded un- un- jockey I guess in these past but um, you know, scooped the feature and uh, a few other interesting points too uh, Kelly Schwede two year old, the name of which El Morizzo or something like that El
3: Morizillo
1: named-
2: that's it, <laughs> it completely <laughs> escapes me it was a terrific win and I've got no. to say Kelly was scratching his head. I think it was (laughs) $3.80 out to $5 or something like that. He Mm. thought, uh, you know, this this girl was the winner. And I must say the form uh, behind Barbie's sister, chasing home Barbie's sister at the only previous start, looked pretty good for this race. I don't think many of these in this field would have got close to Barbie's sister. But this horse just kept on drifting. And if you don't mind, sat basically wide all the way and still won. So... Look, uh, Kelly Schweeter, I think, might have gone again betting wise when this horse
1: drifted. So he mm. was like the cap that got the cream there at the Sunshine Coast on Saturday. We'll also, catch up hopefully later this morning with Joshua King, who trained High Bar. Good to see those red and white colours, of course, of uh, Steve Tregues uh, coming to the fore once again. So like he's got a promising horse there.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's great to see Josh, isn't it doing well? He's a former bush jockey, of course, probably best known. Um, really on, on a national stage for being, you know, riding incentivised, that freak galloper in his, in his, you know, in his early work, did a lot of the work there. Uh, and then, um, you know, basically learnt his training craft under Steve DeGray, who's now stepped back and given Josh King the, 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 the reign. So he's a really... Really lovely fellow, Josh, and it was great to see him with the winner. Uh,
1: Tony Gollan, as many uh, are, uh, trainers in New Zealand, of course, for Karaka Millions, and I uh, suppose Craig I would have been happy to got Island Magic out of the way. A couple of shorties later on, no dramas, but no, it wasn't to be.
2: Yeah, there were um, there were a couple of shorties rolled from the Tony Gollan stable, but having said that, he trained four winners uh, the day before he? Mm. so... Look, if you follow the T-Gol and Stable, you can't complain. Listen, Brownie, I don't have long to go yes. here. I've got to get my kids kids to school. But one yep. thing I do want to touch on, uh, Queensland and Brisbane Racing Officials yes. are rightly up and about this week. Uh, the World Horse Rankings... Uh, sorry, the World Race Rankings were released last week. The top 100 um, horse races... or Sorry, I should say the top 100 Group 1 races uh, in the world. And now some of these rankings lists, I mean... You know rankings and stats, you can make them say what you want to say, can't you? It's all in the eye of the beholder. But look, there were three Queensland Group 1 races in the top 100 for the first time ever. Uh, the Kingsford Smith, which was won by Think About It, was ranked equal 55th. Uh, the Dooman 10,000, which was, of course, won by Gear Kick, came in equal 63rd, as did the Stradbroke Handicap won by Think About It. So... Look, you might say, sort of, so what? But when you have a look at the list, I mean, there were some really big interstate races that came in below those, like the champion stakes, for instance, could only manage 89th, the King Charles stakes, 71st, and even the all-age stakes, 75th. So, look, I've got to say... Uh, the Winter Carnival really is up and about in Queensland. I love it. I reckon the Summer Carnival needs some work. Um, but those Winter Carnival races and just the general vibe, as Dennis DeNudo might have said, of the Winter Carnival, I reckon it's terrific, Brownie.
1: And before you know it, it will be upon us. Appreciate your time as always, uh, Ben. We'll catch up next week. Good on you, Brownie. There he is, uh, Ben Dorries. And plenty to discuss there. And uh, was also going to touch on, of course, the Australia Stakes there at Mooney Valley on Saturday taken out by V8 for Team McAvoy. And so his autumn campaign is uh, off to a good start. But now let's turn our attention to Sydney and from the uh, News Limited Papers, Daily Telegraph. Very good morning to uh, Mitch Cohen. Good morning, Mitch. How are you?
3: Good, mate. Yourself, and good morning to all the listeners. But, um, yeah, it's, we're really heading up down here in Sydney now, just uh, just on the cusp of that autumn. Some stakes racing on Saturday, but um,
1: it's really sort of heats up from this weekend onwards. Well, people often speak of this country, of course, being uh, neutral. They don't hear much about it, except it wouldn't be a bad place to uh, retire. But i tell you what, uh, racing came out of notice pretty early. Been wondering about the two-year-olds and uh, where they're going. Of course, uh, Storm Boy taking all before him in the Magic means and we'll get to Stormboy in a moment. But uh, what a taboo by Switzerland. Wasn't he
3: outstanding? I think, um, look, on the same day last year, or almost the same day when the Canterbury Stakes was running, yeah, the Canterbury's um, move, been moved dates this year, just the way the calendar has fallen, but that was when uh, we were introduced to Shinzo on the same day last year, essentially, uh, well, the day after, um, but yeah, wasn't he impressive on Saturday, Switzerland, and he'll be trying to follow in the footsteps of his stable mates with similar ownership, obviously, there with Coolmore. Look, Kerry just got the perfect ride in mind speed, didn't he? It it all went to plan. He he got out when it mattered, but he was still so impressive coming out. He's obviously been in a few races in the past few weeks, Switzerland. They've picked, um, well, which race suited him best. He obviously drew wide in one of those races. I think it was last week that he, he drew wide, so... They obviously knew they had a very, very good colt on their hands and, and didn't he prove it on Saturday. He thrust himself straight into the Golden Slipper conversation. But I think we can just say that about any horse that wins on a, on a Sydney Saturday at this time of year, isn't it? It just goes straight into the... He thrust himself into the conversation. But there was a bit of class about this fella's performance. I mm. think he can genuinely be a contender, I think, um, some of the times you go, oh, obviously it's just an easy thing for us journalists to say, oh, he's, he's put his hand up. But I think he really he really has this cold. He's obviously um, got some pretty smart ownership and obviously our, our reigning Golden State winning trainer and Chris Waller who always maps a plan with his two-year-olds where uh, he never gets them up too early. In. He's always, got, um, always very, very patient with his two-year-olds uh, to get them to the races with these big targets in mind. But uh, Switzerland...
1: He's certainly in the conversation. Uh, no doubt about it. Now an $8 equal second favourite with Shangri-La Express, but, of course, Stormboy, the uh, current favourite there on tab, at $3 for the Golden Slipper. Uh, just quickly, a couple of handy runs behind uh, Switzerland though, uh, Castagna and, and Bella Kodajja too for Brad Woodup, having a good run at the moment.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a, a terrific run. Obviously, uh, both of them were tremendous odds. Obviously, uh, Switzerland was the favourite. So if you were uh, if you were playing the multiples, you certainly got a bit of value there. But I, I, I'd agree with you. I thought um, Brad would have obviously had two runners in the race. Mm. But, um, look, I won't try. and I'll call her Bella. I won't try and, uh, the second half of that. But I thought she was um, pretty unlucky, to be honest. Um, look, she she sort of got um, clotted up at the top of the straight. She only got clear air with about 150 metres to go. But she hit the line quite nicely. So...
1: I doubt we'll get uh, 150 to one next time she goes around, that's for sure. Absolutely. Now, Karen McAvoy was, of was course, on Switzerland. We know where J-Mac was. We'll cover that a uh, uh, little bit later on as well in uh, Press Room over in New Zealand, uh, pick up a couple of feature races, as we know. So, well, Karen McAvoy, has been doing work with Switzerland? Will he retain the ride?
3: It's hard to know, isn't it? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of... Um, obviously, uh, Gay and Adrian have a lot of horses heading towards that slipper, and now they've got uh, the usual sp- suspects there, obviously. Adam Hieronymus has been with Storm Boy. Regan Bayless has been with shangri Express, so it all, Tim Clark obviously rides a lot of their horses. So those guys are locked in. But um, we know J-Mac is uh, generally the top seed. He was locked in to ride Switzerland the week before, so um, I think Karen, um, if
1: might have his work cut out holding on to the ride. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Magic Millions. When uh, Storm Boy, of course, sale negotiations been underway uh, by Justify, of course, Coolmore know Well, and he might be- end up back in their stable.
3: Yeah, this was the big news that broke sort of last week, but um, it looks like it will be all. But um, the, the T's and the C's will be confirmed. This week, um, in in the coming days, really, the Stormboys' sale to Coolmore in a deal that could be... I know it was initially reported around $50 million. I believe it's closer to $60 million that he could be sold for if... Um, well, he will be sold for um, if he hits every quota uh, required to reach that mark. Now, those um, obviously mean that he, he will go up substantially in price. Um, Coolmore will have to uh, pay, pay attention a bit more if he does win that golden slipper and then a bit more again if he goes through that triple crown undefeated and, and wins the size produce and champagne Stakes, which is his plan um, and gain Adrian's plan throughout the carnival so 60 million uh, potentially as much as that paid for this horse which would make him the most expensive racehorse uh, ever sold in, in Australian racing now we Obviously, had the likes of Piero sold for, for $40 million uh, a fair few years ago now, but uh, this cult could end up being uh, even more expensive. And obviously, uh, Coolmore have Justify um, in their own armoury already, so to have a gun son of Justify there is going to be so important for them. This fella, well, you saw it up there in Queensland um, uh, over the Magic Millions carnival, wasn't he brilliant? Mm. Uh, so if he can replicate that through the autumn, I think it potentially could be money well spent, but you just never know until they get those
1: done, do you? Absolutely. But a couple of those battlers that were talked into having taken a share in the horse by <laughs> Gay Wardhouse, uh, how would they be feeling a life-changing moment, no doubt. And uh, actually, yeah. there was a backstory too to Calcutta there at Magic Millions. Um, got people who drew him out of the Calcutta and... Uh, and well put it mildly uh yeah certainly not the uh, wealthiest people around and uh they're able to sell Stormboy for sixty thousand at calcutta and it certainly changed their life around there for 24 hours uh so it's a great backstory behind storm boy
3: yeah well that's uh, storm boy actually went to uh, um, uh being a P- penrith boy he actually went to a went on a pub tour out in penrith to, uh, to, to sell some shares i believe so mm. um i'm i've got to go with the um i'm out on <laughs> calcutta as i had a. Uh, I uh, had a uh, we. I was drawn out in a practice draw um, before Nature Strip come out in the Everest uh, a few years ago. The, the, the practice spin was my numbers, and then I, I never got drawn out. So <laughs>
1: I barred I, barred, I
3: barred the cow cutters. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, speaking with Mitch Cohen about, uh, of course, all the latest New South Wales news. And look, Mara and Eustace normally associate, of course, with uh, Victoria, but they've spread their wings far and wide. But that partnership came to an end midnight on Saturday night, but not without a winner there at uh, Ramick on Saturday.
3: And a very good winner at that. I think um, we'll see more of Laurie Days in, in the coming weeks and months. She was excellent, obviously, second up from. Um, a fairly long spell. He was just um, just given some time after his last preparation to come good and, and given some time between runs after an excellent second last month. But uh, he was probably, um, arguably with Switzerland, uh, the most dominant winner on the day. It never looked in doubt, really, for Nash Farilla. He just sat um, just trailing the speed there and, and kicked away. And it was very, very dominant now. David Eustace, obviously, yeah, as we know, heading to Hong Kong. The interesting thing here, I think, is... Uh, it probably starts a new precedent, really. I don't think we've ever seen it. But as far as I understand, in terms of premierships, now, uh, Kieran Mayo and David Eustace obviously leading the national premiership. They were winners of the national premiership last year. Now, I, as far as I understand, in Victoria, they go, Kieran Maher will go back to zero uh, wins for the season. And as will be similar in Sydney, uh, if we go on history's sake, when. Um, Um, Bart Cummings, unfortunately, passed away um, in 2015. James Cummings went back to zero um, with that training partnership. So we're we're a very real chance of of Kieran Ma going back and potentially training the most winners in the country. Um, But ridiculously, maybe not being able to win the premiership, because he won't be on top of, obviously, on on top of any ladders, even though he's been there the whole time. It seems a bit ridiculous, don't you think?
1: Yes, uh, it is a strange one. I suppose he, no, you can't say he's really the principal, but it's official partnership, but his name's still there. It's, it's, it's one person who's missing. He's still obviously uh, training the horses. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Perhaps uh, they will look at that uh, down the track, but uh, that partnership there finishing midnight on Saturday night. be interesting. Uh, any talk as to who might replace David Yussis if Kieran Ma wants to go down that track? I understand it won't
3: any if any decision is made, it won't be till the end of this season. Now, Karen have is taking some obviously they've got a just a, a well-oiled machine of a of a stable now, don't they? They've got obviously Joe uh, Aussie Joe up in Sydney, Declan obviously down in Victoria. Yeah. They've got um, they've got the beaches in in both states now. Uh, when you've got six and seven hundred horses, they've got a board, um, a board of directors. So this uh, the stable um, I'm sure is well equi- uh, equipped to uh, to replace, uh, David, if it, if it does happen, but it won't be for a couple of months yet, I understand.
1: Alright, uh, a couple of the highlights. Uh, Zach Lloyd rode a double. Now, did he avoid suspensions? He did avoid suspension. He uh, He's uh, well, one of his former apprentice sparring partners
3: who's still a Sydney sparring partner, did not in Tyler Schiller. He was uh, suspended for, uh, well, he'll return from suspension. He took his sp- suspension immediately so he can ride at the English Millennium meeting. Now, Uh, A week earlier, Tyler got a one meeting suspension, which um, you don't often see. But his good record saw it uh, reduced and then reduced again uh, to just one meeting. So he began that on Sunday, um, but but unfortunately he's picked up a second suspension on Saturday that he decided to take immediately. With that, obviously that lucrative lucrative, uh, English millennium coming up, but uh, no, Zach Lloyd stayed out of the stayed out of the uh, stewards room. We know it's obviously been. One of the real, um, I guess, problems he's had during a fantastic, fantastic apprenticeship. Now, he's one of the most exciting young riders in the country, but it has been sort of a stunted apprenticeship at times with these these stints on the sidelines. But uh, no, he was excellent on Saturday, obviously winning on floating um, up over 2,000 and then winning again the feature race on Zoo Tiger, who was on a bit of a comeback, really. Um, It's been 18 months. Since he last won a race, Zoo Tiger, he's been gelded since uh, in, in that time. He was obviously a place getter in, in races like the Rand with Guineas and, and Golden and Rose as a three-year-old. So he's, he's certainly got a lot of class, but he needed a throat operation and a gelding operation to, to really get the best out of him now. He was third up on Saturday. He really peaked, and, and it was a great win. Now, where he goes coming into the carnival, John O'Shea just wanted to see him sort of win again
1: on Saturday before making any grand plans, but uh, Zach delivered a peach. He, he won easy. Yes, and a bit of change of luck too for John O'Shea. he's trained a couple of winners since uh, the Sydney Bowler incident there at the Gold Coast, but uh, yeah, been, uh, he'd be happy with that win to see Zoo Tiger winning again. Also, been reflecting uh, about uh, the success of uh, female apprentice jockeys. Molly Burke, of course, wrote a winner as well. We've got CJ Graham, Celine uh, up here, Talia Fennin, as we mentioned, uh, What Celine Gordray, Carleen Heffel in Melbourne. So rather jockey, you rode a double yesterday, I think, at Wyong, Anna Ropa. I think Damien Lane's just holding her back before she can take the full claim there and send it to Sydney, and she'll be... Uh, that claim will be very useful once Anna Ropa starts riding metropolitan meetings.
3: No doubt, and that's um, what we're sort of lacking in Sydney at the moment. There's a real uh, opportunity for three kilo-claiming apprentices uh, to take... Um, rides given um, the likes of Zach and, and Dylan Gibbons and Tyler now out of his time have, have been really the dominant forces but shed their claims pretty quick quickly but uh, we know how valuable that three kilo claim is Molly has come in, I think she's won on, on Saturdays three of the past four weekends potentially I think so she's starting to get a few more opportunities and
1: riding really well obviously winning uh, the midway there on Saturday as well. Alright uh, as we're been alluding to autumn card not too far away. Some outstanding horses featured at Warwick Farm trials tomorrow morning, including Fangirl, Think It Over, uh, Learning to Fly is on the way back as well. Yeah, Learning to Fly is one that uh, we'll see
3: through that um, the Philly series. So will uh, the surround stakes. There's a few of those surround stakes contenders lining up tomorrow. But obviously, there's Chris Waller's got a fair few heavyweights there. This is at Warwick Farm tomorrow. Speaking of James Cummings, he's got um, probably a few of his biggest heavyweights now. Golfmen have had a fairly sort of quiet few weeks, but you know this is the time of year that and always really focus on these carnivals and, and they'll have the likes of Pericles, Cylinder, and the old boy Cascadian, who only had one spring run. Um, they're sort of looking after him now. He's a nine-year-old. He's obviously been so great to them. One of the real stalwarts to their stables. So he'll have a slow build-up into the carnival just on Cylinder. He's they're just sort of picking and choosing which way they go for a Group 1 with him. He's obviously a very important stallion prospect for Godolphin, already got a couple of Group 1 seconds, second in that golden slipper. But he is just sort of mapping out a plan to which way they go. Is it Sydney? Is it Melbourne? There's obviously options in both. And he's still being a three-year-old. It's just a matter of when they take him on against those older horses.
1: Whether he, whether he has a three-year-old run first. They'll, they'll just wait and see. All right, Mitch, great work as always. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. We'll catch up again next week. Look forward to it, mate. There he is. Uh, Mitch Cohen from Sydney. You're listening to Racing HQ with Andrew Brown on Radio Town. Well, it's a busy time in New Zealand as well and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to catch up with, uh, of course, uh, notable broadcaster there and commentator Michael Guerin. In fact, I did catch up with Michael who was recently over here for the Magic Million sales but of course it's Karaka Million sales as we speak and there's plenty of news coming out of New Zealand including, of course, the big day at Ellerslie yesterday and how good it was to see Ellerslie back in action. And I'm pleased to say Michael Guerin joined me this morning on Press Room. How are you, Michael? I'm good, thank you, Andrew.
4: Not only did we catch up at the recent Magic Million sales, of course, you actually knocked a couple down <laughs> to me. So it was great. It was nice to buy a couple with you doing the bit spotting there. And, yeah, really good value we bought at Magic. So Jerry and his team did a great job. But, of course, the circuit moves on. And, yes, I was at Karaka, uh yesterday on Sunday for for the uh, first day of the sales. And, of course, before that, we had the JMAC... Mm. Double at Allersley for TAB correct millions uh, on Saturday night. The sixth race card Twilight, which shattered the New Zealand record for TAB turnover for one day nine point five million dollars mm. turned over on six. The previous record was a harness racing meeting, the New Zealand Trotting Cup meeting in two thousand and twenty-two, which turned over seven point five, so two million less on thirteen races. So they have absolutely kicked a mega goal out of Ellerslie
1: on a Saturday night. First of all, before talking about J-Mac and his successful return, capturing two of the features, how was the track uh, received there on Saturday?
4: Well, the track itself, they they had a little bit of an issue. It's a new Stratheir track, Mm. and it was very quick and very dry. And then the misty rain came in, Andrew. Mm. And as anybody knows, dry track, rain, misty is the absolute worst situation. So it was slippery. They called the jockeys in after five races and said, look, a couple of horses have slipped. Nobody fell. No one went down. Uh, no horses were injured. So the jockeys agreed they would ride the last race. They were pretty good about it. There's a lot of senior jocks out there. Blake Shin, Mark Zara, J-Mac. So big boys who weren't going to do anything stupid. So I don't think they'd want it to happen again. The track is still very much growing and they're learning about it and what to do. But I don't think it was so much that. A normal grass track with that misty rain starting at a good four would have been an issue. So the bottom line is I don't think it's a problem with the scratch air track. I think it's a problem with the rain
0: Mm. just
4: falling and the amounts it did. Uh, They got round safe. No horses or jockeys were harmed in the making of this race meeting. So we move on. But, of course, they will try to monitor and work on that situation. The problem is there's no organic matter much in the track. So the track hasn't had the chance to break down, degenerate, then regenerate as grass does. It's basically the track that they've contrived them to together and it's still learning to breathe and work. And it had what's called surface tension in it uh, on Saturday night and, and with that rain on top of it, that misty rain, it was just an awkward, awkward situation. I wouldn't panic heading forward, but yes, I think it was, um, I think it was a good decision uh, not so much a brave decision, but a mature decision from the jocks to say, we can get round here. And the horses who actually went or ran the trifecta in that last race for 1.5 million came from the lead, eighth, and last. Mm. So you can't make the case that the track was unfair. It was actually the fairest race of the night.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. of course, that was orchestral taking it out. Just quickly, uh, when's the next meeting at, at Ellerslie uh, scheduled?
4: Uh, 17th of February, so basically three weeks, mm-hmm. so they've got three weeks to get it right um, I think they will, but as I said, if, they if it doesn't rain on the day, it's not a factor, but yes it was, it was awkward, um, it wasn't by any means uh, I think unsafe, but yes, horses slipping always has a bad look, then again horses um, slip for a variety of reasons on normal tracks when they go from dry to misty rain, so um, let me move on, uh, with some big numbers behind it, and then, yeah, Jay Mack was the star of the show, returning to his home country came up with a great quote. He said, nowhere in the world makes me more nervous than riding an elephant (laughs) because it's my former home track where my family and friends watch me and all the people I I grew up with and it means the most to me for those reasons, of course, not for the the monetary reasons, which are a lot bigger in other jurisdictions.
1: Well, it didn't seem nervous. He took out the two features, of course, race for the two-year-old for Stephen Marsh with Velocious and then the uh, James and Wellwood team in that final event for the three-year-olds there on number 12, Orchestral. First of all, Velocious.
4: Good filly by written Tycoon. Only cost 190,000 bread in the South Island of New Zealand. Um, yeah, this is a good horse. Nippy on her seat. You know, she's not going to go over and want a slipper, She's not that good. But she's she's good enough to be too dynamic for most of the New Zealand horses, and I don't think it's a super strong crop here of the New Zealand horses, as in the New Zealand bred horses, because some of our better two-year-olds like Move to Strike of Magic's horses. So therefore, you're you're trying to you know you're talking about a sales series race. In saying that, I think she's probably about as good as Move to Strike, and therefore she'll get her chance at a Group One on March the 9th back
1: at Ellerslie. All right. Uh, just quickly, the run of Bo Dazzle there for Tony Madison Sears from Toowoomba.
4: Bloody unlucky, really. I think Robbie Dolan rode the horse well. Mm. Drew Barrier at 13. Uh, he went to the inside. He beat as many home as beat him home. They were a real breath of fresh air. People really enjoyed Maddie's company. Here. Mum was over here. We didn't see Tony much because he only turned up late, but I-, I thought they did themselves proud. They handled themselves really well, um, and-, and we liked what we saw of the horse. No disrespect in that. But yes, he was um, he was in trouble a long way from home from that barrier. Joel,
1: quick comment on Castle on taking out race six, the three-year-old. Good horse, smart horse by Saberville.
4: very unexposed, like a good Saberville. Hits the line hard, nippy on her feet. Lots to like about her. She breathes well. She's a good breeding horse, a breeding horse. So we think she'll get to the Oaks or Derby trip. I would suggest she'll go to the New Zealand Derby on March the second because that can create a pathway about three weeks later. Um, to the Binary at Rose Hill, the race that the James Wellwood team won last year with prowess.
1: All right. Uh, it was Jay Mack cleaning up. I don't wonder how much that TRB turnover was responsible, uh, well, Jay Mack was responsible for, of course, everyone uh, would have been uh, backing them yesterday, but not to be left out. Vinny Colgan, of course, and uh, he rode a double as well. They raced at Hong Kong yesterday, Sunday. It was Hong Kong Connection with Master Faye taking out race two for Vinny.
4: Yeah, bizarrely, Master Faye's the horse who trialled in New Zealand, sold to Hong Kong, had one start there and came back because he was, wasn't sound enough. So he needed that sort of tender loving care and the environment in New Zealand. He's had two starts here. So now his third career start spanning two countries. He's now on a group three and pulled up three out of five lanes sore after the race. So I'm not sure how long Master Faye's going to stick around for his big, big body might start to betray him before too long, but hell of a training performance from Chad Ormsby, who's actually the son in law of Mike Moroni. So he's married to Mike's daughter, Alicia Moroni, mm-hmm. hell of a good fella, uh, a bull rider, rodeo rider, and tough as nails. And he does a good job with his ready to run horses from uh, his River Rock farm and won the Group 3 Concord yesterday. Desert Lightning, uh, who was a $150,000 Pride of Dubai purchase on spec. By Peter Williams. He just didn't even read it. Saw it, liked it, bought it. 150 K. Well, way to go. Mm. The, yeah, the million dollar ALT Roller classic sponsored by Elsman Park, beating Legato, who probably got into the wrong part of the track. Mm. But I think the track suited those on the speed and Desert Lightning's a pretty good horse. that won a group one the start before. Um, I think he's emerged as one of the better horses in New Zealand.
1: Are we going to see Legato in Australia this autumn? Maybe the Australian Cup. I think she'll go to the Hubie Dyke over 2,000 metres. She's racing
4: like a 2,000 metre horse now. I think she'll go to the Herbie Dyke February 10, back to Ellerslie March 9 for the bone crushing New Zealand stakes. And if she's going well enough, Australia Cup March 30.
1: And what about Crashetti, of course, continued his unbeaten run in the first? He was really good.
4: Um, was on a great field,
1: but beat them. 7 out of 7, won the 2,000
4: guineas year. Good horse, best son of Zakinto. Um, he'll go to the BCD Sprint Against the Wait for Age Horses on February the 10th at Tarapa. Now, then I think he might go for a spell. I think they'll spell him, and they'll have Golden Eagle written all over him for about late October next season.
1: All right, uh, that's a wrap up of Ellerslie on Saturday. Then, as you said, the Karaka Million sales got underway yesterday. And uh, anyone thought the money had run out at Magic Millions? Uh, well, not quite happened because they were all over there uh, bidding uh, yesterday for the first day.
4: Great day. They, um, they got rid of about 30 million. Um, very strong Australian influence. The big, big lot of the day was lot 21. A full sister to, to Prow West, so by Sea out of Donna Marie. Um, sold by Hallmark Stud for $1.6 million to Peter Moody uh, and that's New Zealand record for a filly so Gee, That's it's a, a big price for a
1: price here too, wouldn't
4: it? Oh, it is. Massive price but mm. you know, he's, he's being viewed at these sales, I think, as the next and, uh, one point. so 1.45 was the previous record, Andrew that was for a Sababeel filly back in 2001, so a long time ago stood for a long time of um, course, prepared and owned by the vendor, Mark Baker from Hallmark Start, incredibly popular guy, very knowledgeable guy. Um, him and his wife Vicky, just the people who everybody in the industry over here loves. To see them get a $1.6 million filly, um, just just heartwarming for everybody involved. Strong day for the fillies. There was a $900,000 for of 11 filly who goes to Guy Volcaster and, of course, off to Chris Waller. Chris got eight for the day. The biggest buyer for the day was David Ellis, the local TR man. He bought fourteen. Well, about four million, I think he spent. But yeah, very strong Australian influence. Danny O'Brien. Those are the people were involved. The people you'd expect to be involved. A couple of the Aussies failed to fill their orders. I think they'll be back tomorrow for another for today, so for another dig. So book one goes again Monday and Tuesday. But the basic numbers: thirty million plus sold there was about 240 catalog for the day, I think 160 sold, 30 withdrawals, about 73% passing rate, which is about standard for Karaka this time of year. Average was up to 195. That's a very big average for a New Zealand sale. Same day last year, book one, day one, was about 156. But admittedly, it was a very strong day one. There was Iron Invincibles, a Kingman who went to the Hong Kong Jockey Club, couple or two darn hots. It was a serious day of stallion diversity at Caraca mm. yesterday, so therefore there was a lot of money flooding around. I'm not sure they can actually keep that average up for the next two days. I, I do think
1: day one model is the strongest out of the sale. Of course, Tiako uh, the uh, Tangerine Army had to take a bit of a back seat there at Ellerslie on Saturday. But, of course, uh, David Ellis did buy a big at Magic Millions and, of course, uh, extending uh, the uh, Cranbourne Stable there for Mark Walker uh, and Ben Gleeson there, of course, at Cranbourne in Victoria. Uh, look, time's on the wing. Just a couple of quick notes, of course. The news came out last week about the NZB NZB Kiwi. Yep, slot race in New Zealand starts at $3.5 million
4: with a million-dollar bonus next year. Um, then continues for the two years after. That will rise to $4.5 million with the $1 million bonus, so $5.5 million by 2027. They're going to auction nine slots. Nine of the slots will be auctioned mm. at a public auction on February 27th. I believe there's already been between 40 and 50 expressions of interest for those nine slots, so they'll be going for more than their face value of four hundred and fifty grand. I
1: would suggest. All right. We know you've got a love of harness racing as well within the space of 15 minutes on Saturday night. We had uh, Just Believe continue the winning way there at Melton, the Dullard Cup. Of course, I'm backing up next Saturday night and Leap to Fame also after Moonee Valley after winning at Albion Park on Saturday night.
4: Yeah, huge night coming up
1: at... Oh, uh, not Moonee Valley. I was saying, I'm going back to the good old days. <laughs> Mooney Valley, Melton. Good old days. <laughs> huge,
4: huge night coming up at Melton this week. Mm. Uh, I'm doing some of the coverage. Just Ryan Fiedelman and Adam Hamilton on Racing.com. Just believe we'll be the horse to beat in the Great Southern Star, which is two heats early in the night, and then a final later on. And Leek Fame should win the Hunter Cup for Queensland after their victories on Saturday. So, yep, we'll go from Gallops to Harness this coming Saturday, coming up at Melton.
1: Yes, uh, always. I know you're a busy man, uh, Mike. Really take out, appreciate taking time out this morning. And, uh, we'll how have your purchases? Are they, are they going back to New Zealand that you picked up at Magic Mans? Uh, yeah, got, I've got
4: three which flew in last week and one we flew over the, uh, with the Magics team, so it'll be here tomorrow. So, yeah, we're going to have four on the grounds and we'll go book shopping, book two shopping here. Book one's a very hard place to find value um, at Karaka. It's, you know, it's, it's a good, solid sale because it's a smaller book than you see at the Magics, and then we'll be off to Sydney in two weeks' time. So, Andrew, the battle continues.
1: And no doubt uh, Oxnard Steve Davis uh, continuing in great voice. He was in great form. Uh, we're lucky out with the auctioneers we have in
4: Australasia. And, yes, they love a show. They like a bit of ego. It's just what we need in people need it. And they did a super job today. If you get bored, get on to NZB, tap in Lot 21 and watch Steve Sell 1 for $1.6 million. Um, He was cajoling at his best. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Michael Guerin, uh, you're great with your time with the media. Of course, our sister station as well, Sky Sports Radio. I really appreciate your time this morning on Press Room.
4: Always a pleasure, Andrew.
1: There he is, Michael Guerin. You're listening to Press Room on Radio Tab. Yes, with Andrew Brown this week, with David Fowler away, but of course, as David uh, mentioned, uh, for all the latest equine, canine, feline products as well, go to Garrard's Horse and Hound, horse and hound dot com dot au and of course phone the number one eight hundred zero six zero eight nine six one eight hundred zero six zero eight nine six 60 896 1800 60 896 garard's horse and howard been with press room right from the very start as now the go to south australia but unfortunately yes we begin with bad news we've had a uh, unfortunately a spate of uh, meetings which had to be uh, called off or abandoned and postponed and yesterday for a uh, very uh, serious reason and for the latest update very going well to uh, ben scadden how are you ben
5: morning,
1: Andrew. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Well, I was speaking with Brett Davis yesterday when I came on air to uh, work the South along with all the other meetings yesterday afternoon and heard there was a delay after race one and unfortunately a jockey uh, falling in the first race and uh, got more serious after that. Yeah,
5: that's right. Kelsey Hannon, so... Um yeah, she's been incredibly unlucky, I think it's fair to say. She was off the scene for quite a while after um a very innocuous incident at a track where a horse um she basically got hit in the face and I think she ended up with a broken jaw and was off the scene for quite a while. She's a Kiwi girl who came here with a with a bang quite a, um, you know, a few months ago and had a lot of a lot of early success and she was sidelined. Just came back at the end of last year. Um and then yeah, another Another incident at out in the first race on Saturday. Cross, crossing the line, she uh, yeah, she came off and um, yeah there's a, there's quite a lot of concern about it. She ended up getting airlifted to uh, to hospital here in Adelaide. Um, yeah, and there was a lot of um, uncertainty around her condition and she was, um, she'd lapsed into um, she'd lost consciousness from what we heard. Um, but she was she was previously talking she's moving her feet those kind mm. of things and the latest update we've seen from racing sa is that um, she has a vertebrae injury exactly what that means I don't know obviously you know she's injured a vertebrae but I don't know the seriousness of that um, but she's not in a life-threatening um, situation anymore which is um, you know I guess positive news because you know you do sometimes fear the worst but um, you know, we've had some some pretty bad luck here in South Australia. We had a had an incident, nasty fall here with Caitlin Forrest quite a few years back, and we lost her. Here. So, some, yeah, I think there would have been a lot of flashbacks to those kinds mm. of incidents, and it was upsetting for the jockeys. And um, they all they all pulled together after that first race and had a discussion about one, what they wanted to do. And I think a few of them were, you know, were quite upset and they didn't feel comfortable proceeding with the. Uh, continue riding at the meeting. So it's been postponed until Friday now. So those um, those races, well, the, all but the first race will be rerun on Friday. haven't seen the times or um, detail around that yet, but Friday is the day for the Strathalbun Cup meeting. Mm.
1: All right. So uh, Brett or Tim will be obviously uh, covering that and uh, obviously all thoughts here with uh, Kelsey. And I think the move was uh, made. They were concerned about the uh, length of the ambulance trip there from uh, South Albyn to the Royal Adelaide yep. Hospital, so that's where reason why the uh, air or the helicopter was brought in. Yeah,
5: uh, it would take, take around about you know a little under an hour from Strathalbyn to get into the city, depending on traffic mm. and those kind of things. So yeah, I think getting her there, her there as quickly as possible, um, you know, makes sense because obviously it was a it was a serious fall, um, and she wasn't in, in a great way at that stage.
1: All right. Uh, thoughts with Kelsey, and of course, a hey, speedy recovery there. But let's talk about the racing on Saturday, and the, of course, the highlight on Saturday was the Durbridge Stakes.
5: Yeah, and look, she's she's got a wonderful record, hasn't she? This uh, this mare, H2O. She's set a huge amount of it, but gee, she's she's quick, very quick, and I think um, she was certainly aided by the fact that Starlight Valley, who's another on pace horse, missed the missed the start badly, but she did cop a little bit little bit of mid race pressure. Um, I thought she ended up doing a really, really good job to to win quite convincingly by by about a length and a half. Richard Jolly spoke after the the race, and obviously they're thrilled that she uh, she won the race and won so well. Um, the, Richard seems to think that probably 11, 1,100 hundred metres will probably see her out. Is you know, you think about races like the Sanks from the Goodwood because she's a high-quality sprinter, but um, Richard seemed to think that 1,200 metres at that level might just test her, might find her out. So she will probably stick to these strictly short-trip um, races. You know, 1,100 metres probably about as far as we're going to see her go. So they'll, they'll try to pick the eyes out of the program. He's talked about the Manor Classic being a being a nice option for her. That's another 1,100-metre race on April 6th. But um, yeah, I don't think she'll... She won't be over-raced this campaign. They'll pick the eyes, as I said, pick the eyes out of the program and just target her at these um these short trips, um, feature races, and see how she ends up. She's already almost won half a million dollars, so she's done a done a wonderful job.
1: And uh, Anjumina's connection there, I think Western Australian manager, David Houston, involved the partnership uh, owners there and uh, saw some of the social media celebrations. So, uh, yeah, well done, two connections there. (laughs) Absolutely. And look, uh, Shane and Cassie Oxlade, uh, Victorian uh, raid continues, of course.
5: Yeah, she's absolutely flying, aren't they? So, you know, I've known known Shane in particular for for quite a long time and he's one of the most unassuming blokes you would ever meet. But um, he is absolutely flying high at the moment. Does a wonderful job with his team. Um, he's a real soul of the earth kind of guy, Shane. Wonderful trainer, and yeah, people have been talking about Sharipper and what a great job he's done. He's won those couple of feature races in a row in Victoria, and um, you know, emerges as a, as a really high quality sprinter. But Cumin, um, who's um, you know probably just the, the second seed, I would say, in, in Shane's stable. Um, you know, he, I thought he was really impressive. He won that. Mm-hmm. Um, that WJ Adams stakes really easily, didn't he? At Crawford on uh, on Australia Day back on Friday, pretty dominant, really. Um, looked to do it do it easily, and the way things are shaping up, Shane and Cassie could have two runners in the Oakley Plate, which is uh, which is pretty remarkable when you consider the the size of their team. The prices they pay for horses as yearlings, um, you know, they're very, very low profile. I'd say it's, I think it's fair to say, but um, you know, it would be a huge, huge credit for them if they can have two, two runners in a race like the Oakley Plate. That's just a, a phenomenal performance.
1: Seven dollars currently on Tab Stripper behind the uh, favourite four of there for the Oakley Plate and Cumin in there at seventeen, at fifteen dollars as well. Uh, good to see the uh, colours. Late Brian Mueller being. Uh, uh, First past the post during the week at Murray Bridge there and trained and yeah. written by Justin Potter.
5: Yeah, it was lovely. Um, so Justin Potter and his wife Kat have had a had a very, very long association with Brian Mueller, basically learned everything they know about horses with Brian over a very long period of time period of time and obviously Brian passed away and um, there's a very strong connection there. People would be familiar with a lot of horses um, with a flipper
0: yeah. uh,
5: mm-hmm. Name in them, and uh, yeah, this this one, Sun Flipper, having her first start. Justin Potter training, so he took up his training license, I think, around about a year ago, actually, but has only had a handful of starters. And uh, Sun Flipper gave him his uh, gave him his first winner at Murray Bridge, so that was um yeah you that know, was lovely that, that happened. And um, Justin's wife Cap was interviewed after the uh, after the race, and she was very emotional. Yes. and had a lot to them. And um, yeah, it was it was lovely to see the horse get the job done. and Justin Potter's a Bit like Shane and Cassie Oxlade, and they've done a lot of work together, actually, so Justin Potter rides a lot for Shane and Cassie. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a very humble, soul-to-the-earth kind of guy, and um, he's yeah, very popular, so that was a yeah a, a really popular win on uh, on Friday with Sun Flipper.
1: And a training career came to an end, though, on the
5: same day? Yeah, Sam Burford, so it was a bit of a surprise for me, really, because Sam... You know, it's really emerged in the past few years, and has done a really nice job with his team. He's been training for 14 years, which surprised me as well. I guess it's just been probably the last four or five years where he's um, kind of cranked things up and and built up his stable. And Omo is probably the horse that he's probably, he's had the best success with. He's been a really really good performer for him over you know up to a mile and um, won some nice races and been very competitive in in um, you know metropolitan racing regularly. But yeah, Sam's decided that he needs to spend more time with his with his family, uh, he's got a wife, his wife and a couple of kids, and feels like training is kind of denying the opportunity to spend as much time with them as he would like. So it's a good reminder of just how tough it is. Tough mm. it is if you're training. You hear about, you know, mm. you think about guys like uh, you know Chris Waller and Kieran Maher, and um, you know even locally here, you've um, you know you've got Leon McDonald who's been hugely successful and you know made very good money out out of the game. But it's it's bloody tough. It's tough for those guys who've earned good money as well. But um, yeah, there are so many who work really hard, seven days a week. Horses don't have holidays. You need to tend to them all the time, and um, yeah, I think it finally caught up with Sam, so he made that decision. It was um, it was really nice to get that win with Crimson Vine at Murray Bridge's home track on Australia Day. Mm. He was a little bit emotional after the race, so um, yeah. So Sam is is moving on. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he comes back one day because he. He'd, don't lose your love of horses, but um, yeah, best wishes to him.
1: Absolutely, for the future there. Well done, Sam Burford. And uh, look, times uh, run out of time, but a quick mention of Hong Kong apprentices do so well there in South Australia. Another one making an appearance.
5: Yeah, Ivy Lamb. Look, she's only had the one one ride. She was due to have another ride um, yesterday at Strathalbyn as well. She rode Raw Grunt for her bosses Gordon Richards and Damien Moore. Finished back in the field, but I'm sure she'll um, you know she'll continue to to develop and and grow as a rider. And as you said, we've had a South Australia's got a wonderful um, strike rate where these Hong Kong apprentices who come across here join our our local apprentice academy, learn the ropes, and if they're good enough, they head back head back to Hong Kong. So um, I'm sure that that's ultimately what Ivy would hope she can do.
1: Good on you, Ben. Thank you. I'll catch up with you shortly. Andrew. There he is. Good stuff. Uh,
5: Thank you very much.
1: There he is, Ben Skadden from South Australia. To Wrap up press room for this week. Let's head to Tasmania. Plenty of news there. Good morning, Colin McNiff. Yeah, very good morning, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, doing a bit of a David Fowler, going overtime myself here. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give myself a slap on the wrist. But, uh, yeah, plenty of news coming out of Tassie. Plenty of racing there at Launceston, of course, uh, on Friday night.
0: Yeah, it was a fabulous day. The Australia Day meeting featuring the uh, Launceston Guineas and the uh, age Stakes. We saw uh, another of the Patrick Payne team come across and take out the Launceston Guineas. Bold soldier. It was an impressive mm. run. It got pole at the start. It was only a small field, a field of seven, but still it got pole and was uh, shuttered back to the tail of the field and was really off the bit coming down to the home turn. In fact, uh, uh, the rider Jake Noonan thought he couldn't win at that stage, he said later, after the race and uh, put in a great performance. In fact, it came home so quickly. uh, It ran its last 600 in 33.82 and its last 200 in 11.46 and just overwhelmed the opposition and I would think would have to be the, uh, the favourite going forward for the uh, the Tasmanian Derby now. It was a, a fabulous performance by Bold Soul to take out the feature race of the night, the Launceston Guineas. Uh, Patrick Payne so far has brought uh, three horses down. Uh, Wings of Song, which is currently under the name of Adam Trinder, uh, that's where it's staying. It's won the Tasmanian Guineas, Thousand Guineas, favourite for the Oaks. Bold Soul, as I mentioned, will be favourite for the Derby. I'd imagine Alambra lad who won the Summer Cup by three and a half lengths, uh, is likely to be favourite for the Hobart Cup. So, Patrick having a wonderful time of it at the moment. Speaking of Adam Trinder, he got his uh, very good sprinter, Bellow Bow back into Mm. form, uh, winning the weight for age. stakes over 1,200 metres. Lovely ride by Jason Maskeel. Had him tucked away on the fence. Uh, He's got a real liking for the Launceston circuit, Bellow Bow. He's had seven starts there and has won on six occasions, and perhaps that does uh, account for the improvement because he had been very disappointing in Hobart and Devonport at his previous two runs, but right back to form there with Beau taking out the uh, age Stakes. And what was a pretty good race, a very bunch finish, but a lot of form, I think, to come out of that uh, race um, from Friday night. Uh, looking at uh, the jockeys there, uh, doubles to uh, Apprentice Taylor Johnson, who's uh, having a wonderful season, so to Cody Jordan, who has returned to Tasmania and uh, she's now in second spot on the uh, premiership chasing down Anthony Darmanin who has 36 Cody's on 33. So they were the highlights from the meeting in Launceston on
1: Friday night. In 24 hours, we went to the Greyhound World and Duncan was calling the cup for the uh, Greyhounds. Yes, we saw Fast Minardi, who had just been announced earlier that night as the Greyhound of the
0: Year for Tasmania, put up probably one of his best ever performances. Uh, began okay from box number two, got a, a little bit of a... A bump on the first turn and was uh, shuttered back to about fifth or sixth spot, but she gradually made ground and really overwhelmed the leaders in the last little bit to take out the, uh, the Launceston Cup for Greyhounds on Saturday night. So,
1: great effort by Farsmanati, named the Greyhound of the year, and just to emphasise that, took out the Launceston Cup on the evening. Now, yeah, my mind is spinning, but I know there's a Tassie Greyhound did well in the mainland on the weekend, ran a placing. Yeah uh, that was Ducati Roy. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: that's right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Really good greyhound uh, And uh, he'll, he'll be winning lots of races. Only a, a youngster but he's uh, right on the way up. And we also had the final meeting of the season for King Island last week. They had their seven meetings throughout the summer. They start in early December and finish in late January. It's been a pretty successful season again over there at King Island. But special mention to Matty Robertson, who went across and, uh, and called the final meeting of the season at King Island. Eight races, five gallops, three harness. And uh, Maddie tipped eight out of eight, so
1: wonderful oh, performance there. Tipping the card of the different coach. gee, that's uh, sensational. <laughs> he didn't tell it me is, that last yeah. night when I was speaking to him, but uh, he yeah.
0: pretty, he's pretty pleased with himself, I can assure
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is. What we'll uh, yeah, make a no, special no. mention of that racing this week in uh, Tasmania? I think it's next Sunday, of course. Uh, Magic next Millions, meeting amongst others, yes. Yeah, yeah. The Magic Millions are the,
0: the feature races uh, as the uh, summer car really starts to hot up. We've got the. Uh, the Hobart Derby or the Tasmanian Derby and the Hobart Cup in a fortnight but yeah, next Sunday we go to
1: Launceston for the Magic Millions Day. Look forward to it. Uh, we'll see you there, Colin, and uh, have a good week. Thank you. Yeah, look forward to catching up. Cheers. Colin McNiff there. And that wraps up Press Room for this Monday, the uh, 29th of January.